When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before, with hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart. Blog Talk Radio. Need a little 
Let's start with hope I threw it in the middle like a skipping stone The ripples won, son of a gun Some would not have thought so But I stand here, commander-in-chief And I take that seriously But along the way A rogue ripple turned tidal to what I tried to do, a rebirth of a nation's hatred, red, white, and blue, is black in there too, seriously, one man, rewriting the book on bad behavior, maybe cheats the neighbors, feels he gets what they pay for, we can Pat him on the back and send him on through. No man's ignorance will ever be his virtue. Is this the best we can be? Seriously. Let's talk of fear and why I don't bring it in here. It's a dangerous word. Spooks to herd and we all bleed in the stampede. Fear makes a false friend indeed. And I take it seriously. Oh, hear me now. For the truth gets drowned out by a demigod flexing. A demigod flexing. Why not take our time for the weight of this story? Seriously. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Truth to Power show. My name is Beverly D. And tonight we have Mr. Myron Rice with us. And we are headed towards the tax season. And so he's going to be talking about taxes and anything else. Uh, that you like to talk about dealing with this paperwork to free yourself. And the call-in number is 323-642-1586, 323-642-1586, and push the number one to join in to the conversation. And I also want to say that um, 
everything, anything and everything that's being said. Uh, no one is giving out legal advice. We're not giving out. Uh, we're not saying that we are professional tax preparers or anything like that. We are giving out our opinions and suggestions. And also, I want to say that I give. Mr. Myron Rice, my condolence to him and his family. His grandmother passed away, and she was over 100 years old. Mr. Rice, it was grateful that you had your grandmother that long. That's a blessing. Oh, yes, definitely. It's like every day you had a reward there to show you that life is could be as beautiful and uh Although she didn't have it all, you know, had dementia. However, she was still so funny. It is so weird how they go back and forth, make you laugh every day, yeah. making you laugh and stuff. Uh, sometimes you just get kind of, you know, belligerent. However, you hundred four, they took care of you when I was four. It's only right that we yeah. have to take care of them when yeah. they're hundred and four. It's really they they court like yeah. they're starting their childhood yeah. all over again. But I love it. It's something how they go full circle, you know, how they they grow up, and then it seems like when they live, when we live long enough, it just seems like we go right back to our childhood. Yeah, right back to our childhood. So, folks, you know, and uh, a lot of people have called in and uh, uh, Skype me and text me for the condolences. I want to thank you all. And, uh, and we, like I said, this is life. She had a share. She just stopped breathing. She wasn't sick. She wasn't ill. She wasn't mm-hmm. in pain. She just wow. stopped breathing. Wow. That's, that's, that's great. That's yeah, the yeah, yeah, that's the part yeah. I love. Yeah, yeah, that's the part I love. That's like we sitting there looking at her. It's like she looks like she's asleep. That's, you know, like, get up. Come on, let's go get something to eat or whatever. But, okay. you know, we all, we all. We all face this one day. We're all going to be facing it. If you haven't already, you will. Those who already have yeah. know what it's all about. And uh, but the love goes on. It's a great. Was we got she at home? Was she no, at we home? had no. We had, we had just put her in one of those assisted living. It was like a house that oh. they converted into a home, and she had a bed next to this other lady. And okay. but okay. That, we had took her in there like. November the seventh, so she wasn't even there a month and a half. She, well, oh, I guess okay. she looked up at all these other senior citizens and like, oh, these, because I cry every day for five years. It's taking me home. I want to go home. Oh, and yeah. I would say, well, I said, you mean your heavenly home? She, hell no, I, I'm not going there. <laughs> the Lord will come get, He'll come get me when that time has come. So it was, she was oh, so yeah. funny. I'm like, well, you at home? You know, so what home are we talking about? But you know that. That's just something, you know, she always go back. She was born in 1915, people. 1915. Wow. She was back there doing that time where we talking about when they were doing all of this bankruptcy and all of that stuff. Yeah, they, they were before up. then. Okay. Yeah, World War One was around because I think that was 1914 and 1918. Trading with the Enemy Act kicked in in 1917, and then it was renewed or changed, amended in 1933 when the bankruptcy came in. So those mm-hmm. are the things we are enemies of the state, 
And the only reason why is because what's happening right now or next month is because we are paying taxes. We do transactions with other enemies. One enemy is doing transaction with another enemy. And the reason we don't go to jail because the enemy is because we're giving the government a cut of our action. <laughs> we're working in this mafia, and we don't even know it. Mm-hmm. This is a mafia gangster deal back yeah. in the 20s when the gangsters was around. And, you know, you had to give them a cut of your business, otherwise they'd burn your business down or kill your family members. Right. And that's what they're happening here. These folks here. Uh, are charging taxes, which is another tax. Remember, taxes is another word for charge. You're being charged. When you go to court and they, they're charging you, they are taxing you. Um, so what we have, what I would like to let you all know, that most of you are being ripped off, okay? The reason being is that we should understand under the IRS code uh, 21.7, Point thirteen, point three, point two, point two, number two. Again, twenty-seven point seven, point thirteen, point three, point two, point point seventeen, point three, point two, point two, number two. We Wait, uh, Mr. Rice. Wait a minute. Did I write yes. this down wrong? Is it twenty-one or twenty-seven? No, twenty-one point seven. I'm sorry, twenty-one okay. point seven, point thirteen, point three, point two, point two, number two. This is in the okay. internal oh, wow. revenue manual. This is in the internal revenue manual. There's no internal revenue service. Internal revenue is on the de jure group. That's the one for the people. That's the one for the people. The IRS is one for those corporations and those private bankers to collect money from charges and taxes that they're getting from us on those statutes and uh, codes that they're creating for their administrative work, their administration. They are administrators, they are corporations, um, and they are charging people to make money and profit off of us. So... But I and but I want to state here that infant is defined. An infant is defined as an decedent, meaning dead, of an estate. A decedent of an estate. So you're dead, and you are an estate. So looking at our cert, our birth certificates, that's where it all starts at. At the top of the birth certificate is your born date. You were born on that date. At the bottom, there's a date where the register signed it, and that registered made you dead. They put a birth number on your birth certificate. Now you became dead. And, uh, and you know, so you was a three-dimensional at the top when a doctor states that this child was born alive uh, at the date stated above. And at the bottom, they made you dead when the register uh, signs it, and he is an officer of probate. So they made you from a three-dimensional human being to a two-dimensional piece of paper. So you have dual citizenship. As a three-dimensional human being, people, you were a state citizen or a state national. Under Michigan state, I'm in Michigan, 
or you, Ohio, Michigan State, Ohio State, Illinois State, those are part of the republic. You were born under the republic. However, most of us was born, uh, were also uh, born in a hospital, which is part of the corporation, state of Michigan, state of Illinois, state of Ohio. And that's where the registry works. And, and one of the corporations, a, a municipality of the corporation of your state. So, so our parents went in from the Republic into the hospital, which was part of the democracy. It makes it, we're called democracy or de facto. And after we were born, they took us out of there and put us back into the de jure uh, and, and the Republic. However, your mother left some afterbirth there. They call it afterbirth, the placenta. It was left on the democracy at the hospital on the floor. That stuff was gathered up. Believe it, believe me, it was gathered up, and that is what the birth certificate was created from. So she left the afterbirth, and this is basically what we are living on. If you haven't changed your status back to the republic, then you are living in the democracy because of that afterbirth that was left there. And I'm giving a little background so we have a better understanding. Hopefully, if you got any questions, please call in. So if you need a little bit more definition, I can help you with that. But if you look at the birth certificate, money for anyone that was born under the birth record. Think about this. The birth record would be what at the county, at the hospital uh, that they put in the file would be your birth record of you being born alive. The birth certificate, which most people birth certificate, are kept at the vital statistic in the capital of your state. And this is called the vital statistics. That is where your birth certificate is. So these are two different locations, two different items that you need to get hold of. You need to get certified copies and stamps at the county level for one for the record at the state level for the birth certificate. And all, both of them are to be authenticated and sent in to the state and the federal government to be authenticated. Once they are authenticated, then you need to put an affidavit summarizing everything that you did, all the people that's on those stamps on those authentications, and sign it, notarize it, and then authenticate the, with the, at the state level, the affidavit. Why? Because your signature is not on the birth certificate. Your signature is not on the state authentication. Your signature is not on the federal level. So how should I know it's yours? You know, you don't have anything to do with these items. So you, by putting an affidavit on top of it, is basically you're saying I'm, I'm going to have a superior position uh, on these certificates. Because it's all about certificates of title. It's all about certificates. And we have to understand, we need to control these certificates. We need to have a superior position in them if you expect to draw funds from them. And the question that we've been talking about in the last calls, you last few calls about certificates of title. doesn't matter what it is. Certificate of title. 
birth certificate, vehicle certificate, are bond. They're on bonded paper. Some of them have bond numbers on them. That means a bond is an insurance. Is an insurance. If you get damaged, the bond is supposed to pay for it. So if I have a certificate of title for my vehicle and the police stop me and give me a ticket for running a red light and it costs two or three hundred, I should be able to take that bonded certificate of title down to the a court wherever I'm supposed to be and say, We need I need you to broker this. I'm here to settle the debt, Your Honor. You are a fiduciary trustee first under my trust, which I told you you are a trust and you're going to be uh, and some kind of authorized representative, an agent, an executor, an assignee, an avatar of that birth certificate, not the birth certificate. The birth certificate is surety, and surety, even though it has funds, it is to insure you and take care of you. You are the surety. The surety is supposed to take care of you, not you take care of the surety, which is what's happening in court. They're making you be the surety when the surety is supposed to be paying and taking care of you. It's, a, it's funds that supposed to protect you, but you are not using these funds. You're just sitting there, and your certificate of title is probably in some file cabinet looking all sweet and cute. First certificate, again, another certificate. Most of you have it in the filing cabinet. Not using it to pay off your debts to redeem yourself. If you look so, in, uh, yeah. so this say a person have an accident and they don't have no insurance. Can they use their uh, certificate of title to settle that debt? Yes, but here in Michigan, unlike a lot of other states, we have no fault. So, you know, in Michigan. Your insurance company takes care of your damages and insurance that you need, and my insurance company takes care of my damage insurance and anything. And then usually one insurance company goes after the other insurance company to be reimbursed. That's normally the case. But everyone Mm -hmm. is supposed to be taking care of themselves in Michigan. Most states are not, uh, uh, what what did I say was? Taxes, no fault, no fault, right, no fault, no fault, and nobody fault, because we got too many people who do not have insurances around here, so your insurance take care of you, and uh, their insurance take care of them. However, if there is any bill, and this is what we have to understand, they have to bill you. Someone has to bill you. The corporations that's licensed with the state has to bill you anything that you are being billed with anytime you are told to pay an obligation. Then we need to jump back to House Joint Resolution 192 uh, or June the 5th, 1933, or Statutes at Large, Volume 48, uh, Stat, page 112, 113. These are the laws that they put down because they took the people goal. So they said, you insured every, not some, not maybe a few, every obligation, every liability, any bills you get, 
shall be paid dollar for dollar. I, please, are you hearing me? Every obligation, every single debt, every single bill is going to be, has, how well shall be dealt with dollar for dollar. I know a lot of people, it's like dollar for dollar plus, plus another dollar. You know, they want one cent. Uh, uh, dollar for dollar, one cent. They want some cash to go with it. Well, let's go ahead. Uh, so we so we have to know how to enforce that because a lot of these corporations don't want to abide by the rules. You know, no. You, you see what they they doing up there and in, in Congress, they not abide by the rules. They just. They ain't paying no attention to the Constitution, and that's how a lot of these corporations, you tell them and send them the obligation, and, and so we need to know how to enforce it. And and that is the problem that we most have because none of us was educated at the uh, elementary level, the high school level, junior high, high school, even college on finances. But it's funny how those other people, have classes. I mean, after the kids get out of public school, then they go to another school at their synagogues and temples, and they wear their little beanies on their head to be educated in finances. We, as blacks, need to be doing that in our community. I don't care the kids come out. Oh, I just came from school. Uh, uh-uh, uh, no. You, 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 you know, you need to be educated in the right stuff. Maybe then they won't be dropping out and shooting and killing each other when they know that they have funds that they will be able to get into when they get 21. You know, that they'll be able to know that there's money in their hand when they get 21 so they won't be shooting and killing each other at 16, 17, 18, 19, and these other ages. So they say they have something to look forward to controlling that birth certificate at age 21. Actually, they say 18, but I would even go to 21. 25, the government's supposed to hand everything over to you that you have made that they have, but no one has made a claim. So in these younger years, you need to be looking at how I would make a claim to get everything that they've already gathered for me. Because under 1935, they had a, the a Social Security Act that says that Title V, Section 501, 502, that every live birth will be getting $1.8 million and $1 million every year they are breathing. Now, I believe there are some statues that's raised to feed because, you know, you got inflation. But you have money going into your account every year, and you're not there to use it. You're not using it. They are, but you're not. Well, you have to stop flipping the script. If you want to be successful, I had a friend who just got in a was in an accident, beat down, and and you know she don't want she don't want to work anymore. Her body is so broken, she don't want to have to work anymore. Well, if you getting over a million dollars every year, do you think you have to work? That's the question that you need to put to yourself. If you're getting funds every single year, which is probably why they take census. So they know how many people in the state. So the state gets the funds. Well, so you hiding away from you by you hiding from the census, thinking they're just trying to see uh, who they can come and get. 
all you're doing is cheating the state from getting funds to go into your birth certificate because it's taking care of you. All your bills, every single loan, every single student loans or car notes or credit card or house, all these things are coming from that those funds are put into your birth certificate. This is why you've given them your name and social security number. The letter on the back tells you where your funds are being held. The bank that's holding your funds on the back of your social security, the red letter is telling you where your bank is, where your funds are being held at. And these are the places that the corporations are taking funds from you to allow you to get a student loan, to allow you to get a car, to allow you to get a house. They use the application to go there and get the items that they need prepaid. Remember, all obligations are prepaid dollar for dollar. Maybe they need to put that word prepaid for dollar for dollar. That account number on the back of your social, that red number, is a prepaid account. Now, this is tax season. The problem, the reason you don't get what you need to get is because you are using that social with two dashes. That makes you a debtor. That makes you a, a U.S. citizen. Don't use any dashes. It's called exemption ID. It's called a QCIP number. It's called an auto tricks. It's got three different names, but it's the same number, the social without the dashes. So when they ask for social, cross it out and just put the numbers underneath it. Because, yes, this is their form that you're looking at. You can edit. Edit the form. No, no, no. I don't want. Why? Because you are exempt from paying taxes. You have to report taxes, folks. Don't get me wrong. You have to report what is charged. We say taxes, but actually what you being charged for must be reported. All transactions are taxable. All transactions are taxable. Let's say dealing with enemies, and they want to tax those enemies. The problem is that you are not asking for it properly at the end of the year. So if I made a $50,000, had a $50,000 job, and they paid me checks, 50000 at the end of the year, they give you a W-2. Now, folks, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's funny. People crying about, oh, I, I, I'm not going to mess with those OIDs because I know people who went to jail because they filed OID. Excuse me, a W-2. Is an OID, and all those who knows me knows where you can. The proof of that is in the Internal Revenue Manual, sixty-two o nine, section two. Again, the Internal Revenue Manual, sixty-two o nine, section two, under tax. Classes, you will see that a W-2 is the same tax class as an OID. So you know those saying, if it walks like a duck, if it's quacked like a duck, then it is a duck. So your W-2 is an OID. What is an OID, people? The 
OID is what is used to return what they took out of your estate at the beginning. Your job takes money out of your estate. They get that million dollars every year, 1.8 at the beginning. Your job is taking money out, and they have to report it to the IRS using a W-2. But the, the other term, if you look at publication, IRS publication 1212, IRS publication 1212, it will tell you page seven nominees, they receive the OID, which is like a receipt of money that they took out of your estate, and they must process another OID, returning it to the principal. So whatever came out of your estate must be returned to the principal. And that's what's not happening. So what's happening when it doesn't get returned to the principal, it is called a withholding. They are withholding these funds because you haven't assessed it properly. And it's a federal withholding. And ask any taxpayer, anyone who filed taxes, what is a federal withholding? Federal withholding. You will find out, uh, well, I don't know, because the tax forms change, the 1040 tax forms but it used to be line 64, where it says uh, federal withholding and OIDs, that's money that you get 100% refund, 100% refund with federal withholding. You, you're gifting it to them all year. You're gifting funds to them, and they have to give it to give it back to you because you gift it to them. But, but not getting, trying not to get make this too complicated, the point is, they you they haven't returned it to the principal, so you have to what they call assess it, uh, assess that credit or that charge or that tax. To assess it means that you have to report it to the IRS, and you're not doing it. Now you do the W two, and your employer he fills out the W two, which again we could change it equal an OID. And he's reporting to the IRS, this is how much money I took out of their state. I don't want to pay taxes on what was taken out. I don't report want to report it as taxes. So I will be giving them the OID as publication 1212, page 7. Nominee tells you it's nominees. They're giving it back to you so you can report it to the IRS. And depending on what tax form you fill out, depends on what, how much money you're going to get back. And I guarantee most of you, because of these tax people, agents, I hate to say they're criminal, they're committing fraud, they're making you an individual, they're not telling you that you are tax-exempt and using your tax-exempt ID number, social without the dashes. They're not telling you none of that. They're not following it as that. And you are getting ripped off. You need to start taking them to small claims court. Because if the IRS says you're in the state, go ahead. A lot of those tax preparers don't even know. I mean, they're teaching them uh, uh, the criminal way. Because a lot of the ones that I've talked to, they haven't read the manual. They don't even know what you're talking about. That's why you take them to court, small claims court. Once I bet you, once you win in a couple of small claims court, they will be telling the mm-hmm. other tax people, you better learn or you're going to get sued. Mm-hmm. You can sue them for fraud. And think about it. Fraud has no statutes of limitation. 
So whatever people who've done your taxes, they're committing fraud on you because they fill out the wrong tax form. You should be looking at a 1041. Number one. The number one on the 1041 says interest. Interest income is funds that came out of your estate. It's called interest income. There's two types of incomes out there. One is called interest income that come out of your estate and is tax exempt. The other one is capital gain. Capital gain. That's what the corporations are doing when GM, Ford, and have a capital gain. They have money from somebody else. Or a woman, to make it simplistic, a woman that works in a, a restaurant and you give her a tip. Now, employees may be taking money out of her out of her estate to pay her regular salary, but you gave her a tip. It came out of your pocket. So that capital gain, that's a profit that she received. And anyone who served tables and get tips will tell you those tips have to be reported to the IRS. And you have to pay taxes on those tips. But what came out of your estate, that interest that came out of your estate, Yes, it gets reported, but you are tax-exempt. Listen to me, people. You are tax-exempt from paying anything that came out of your estate. Why would you pay taxes on what came out of your estate? And that W-2, like I said, just because those tax people don't know it doesn't mean you don't know it, that you can't figure it out, and you go to them. We have to educate these people as we go through this, this journey of ours. We have to educate them because they, they don't know. They didn't go to any uh, financial understanding of finances in school. They, they're as poor as you are. If they, if they were really good, it seemed like they would be millionaires, and they're not. They're looking for whatever two or $300 you give them. And then you pay, and then you might get maybe a couple of thousand. What was that buzzing noise? Somebody trying to block me out? I just need to understand what season, what what is this tax about? It's about reporting what was taken out of your estate through the whole year. Now, your employer does it. Some people out there are self-employed. So that's a capital gain situation. So you have to figure out the, what form that you need to be filling out a capital gain. There is some a tax form called a 709, whereas you any any uh, gift that you got for yourself or anybody who's giving it, if it's under $330,000, you will be getting it back. You have a credit. You have a tax credit, meaning that... Go ahead. Can a seven o can a self employed person or do a seven oh nine tax form? Okay. I assume it's a tax gift? credit. Yeah. it's a gift. it's a gift tax. You gifted yourself. Somehow someone paid you out of their pocket, but they donated it to you. You don't say, Hey, this is a donation. Thank you. That's a gift. Donations is a gift, right? So you can report it, and then, like I said, if it's under, and I don't, last year, I don't know how, if it's been changed, we don't know the tax laws to the end of the month, you know, $330,000, and I guarantee people, 
The more you start doing it, the less it goes. So if you're not in the front starting this now, if you're procrastinating, it may not be that. It may be a lot, lot, lot lower because you procrastinated. Because the more people that do it, the rules change. The rules change. I remember growing up when they said if you had a credit card, you didn't have to pay taxes. What's that buzz buzz? Is that you? I don't know. Do you still hear it? I'm going to mute myself. No. It, it, it sounds like somebody blowing a horn or something like that. But anyway. I, it's not, I don't it's hear not, it on my it's not, Oh, wow. No, I hear it on my Let me see. Uh, but anyway, the point being that, uh, um, what is the point now? I'm, I'm sidetracked myself. But if you wait around... Yeah. The rules are going to change. Oh, yeah, I remember I said when I was older, younger, old, when I was younger, 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 credit cards, you didn't have to pay taxes on credit cards. It was a gift. But then more and more of our people start getting it. Now, all of a sudden, they start taxing it. You know, the rules change when certain people get involved. They're changing the rules when when certain people get involved in it. Because I do remember it was a good thing to have a credit. You wouldn't have to pay. You could charge charge everything and never have to pay taxes on it, but as soon as you and I came into it, boom. It was crazy. So the procrastination is not for you. Right. And they're getting ready to change the system because more of us are finding out about what you've been talking about. And so now they they talking about uh backing the money up with the gold and coming out of yeah. bankruptcy. At, they've been telling that for, for years, and the problem is you can't do that unless they get out of the whole bankruptcy and they give everybody gold, and they're not going to do that. That's not Our government will not be giving people gold. They will not give you anything. You can back up what you want, but until you out, till you get, till we get back what was given to them, uh, May the 1st of 1933, everyone turning in gold. If you're turning in by May the 10th, then you had uh, 1933, then you had to either pay $10,000 penalty or you have 10 years in jail. So until they give back what they took, then you can believe it ain't going to happen. And I and I want to even look at these dinars. I, I've been waiting for these dinars for the longest, and they're not paying us what we paid them for the dinars. Because it's a lot, lot, it's probably five times more than what we paid for, and they don't want to come out of their pocket. The government was selling someone else's money to the people called the NARC, and they don't want to give us more than what we bought it for. Like any investment, you get a bit more back, and they don't want to come out of their pockets because it wasn't theirs to give in the first place. I, I wish wherever they got the denarius from, that country come over here and stop, you know, putting a gun to some of these uh, people heads and, and say, give us our the nards back, which means they had to get it from us. Someone needs to be put so my, pressure on so, our government. So you're saying that um, now that the corporation, which is the United States of America, they saying they coming out of bankruptcy. So if they take themselves out of bankruptcy, where do that leave the people? Well, the people understand there is a difference. There's several corporations you got to understand. There's the United States of America, mm-hmm. Inc. There is the United States 
think, you know, and I understand that it's been taken, it's been totally dissolved. There is no United States Inc. So it's been totally, but what they say, um, they work in, they work as if nothing's happened. People still coming to work and doing the operating as if there's no changes. But these corporations have to still are bankrupt. They still under the uh, uh, Title 15, Title 11. I'm sorry, Title 11 USC. Uh, and you need to see how they have to operate at the Department of Justice. Go get that. Uh, Chapter 11 guidelines and see how they're supposed to operate. They still have to have two insurances on you when you open up a contract. The FDIC uh, protects the account. The surety bonds is when they're making money off of you. And that's what they do. They create surety bonds, uh, and they call them uh, bid bonds for del- uh, uh, what do you call it? Bid bonds, performance bonds, and payment bonds. Those are two that actually the performance and the payment bonds are the ones that are really getting their money off of you because uh, your name is on the investment. They're putting those bonds out there in, on the uh, Security Exchange Commission and making money off of you. At the same time, people, understand, when you sign a contract, at the same time, to, to make sure that they meet the HJR 192 level, and saying it's discharged dollar for dollar, they gave you certificate of titles. Insurances. They're on bonded paper. They had to give you something to discharge your debt with. But nobody's using they it. They gave it to us. But yeah. They didn't tell us. They gave it to us and didn't tell us what to do with it or what was it for. They're not supposed to. There's nothing in their rule book saying that they have to tell you anything. Because why? Because you carry Federal Reserve notes in your pocket. Everyone has a dollar or two or some in your pocket. Only people under Title 12, USC 411, again, Title 12, USC 411, anyone who's carrying Federal Reserve notes are supposed to be bankers. Bankers. So if you have Federal Reserve notes, people, you are a banker. And that means you better be professional. That's because you're not a professional banker. Don't make you any less of a banker. And they know it. But you are a professional banker because you are carrying Federal Reserve notes in your pocket. This falls under 12 USC 411. Look it up. Don't believe me. Look it up. It can only be given to those people who are in the banking industry. So if you're supposed to be a professional or something, why aren't they teaching you how to be a banker in school? Well, those other races are doing it in their education and their school, teaching them how to be bankers. And all we know to do is how to be consumers. And then they, and you cry. Why are you crying about money that you owe when the money is on the birth certificate to the straw man, whatever you want to call it, the surety, and you didn't sign the birth certificate. Now, you sign your student loan. You sign your promissory note on your house. You sign your car loan. 
you sign your credit card, so maybe then you might be responsible for it. Maybe. But you didn't sign your birth certificate. So why are you crying when the bill comes in with the all-cap name? Why are you crying? That's somebody else's bill. Oh, where did Mr. Wright get that from? Title 18, USC 8. Obligation and securities of the United States defined. It tells you everything that you receive, your coupon, your bill, your stamps, everything you see, you receive, federal reserve notes, belongs to the United States. I wonder why. Maybe because you didn't sign for those coupons. They came to you for you to verify them because right now they're just a piece of paper. It's just a paper that you receive every month from, without your signature. It's worthless. It's just what it is, just a piece of paper. Federal Reserve notes. I, I never signed a Federal Reserve note. I never signed the dollars that I carry in my pocket. They gave it to me. And what Jesus said was Caesar's, what belongs to Caesar's, give it back to Caesar. But you don't have that, you still don't have the correct understanding. I'm hoping that, I'm trying to get through a mental block here that you all have. You're crying over debts that are not yours. However, when you sign a contract for that debt, they they had to give you a remedy. No one can tell you you owe something without giving you the remedy because they took your means of paying for anything with payment. Look up the word payment under the Constitution, Article 1, Section 10. Payments can only be done by gold and silver. But excuse me, how can I make a payment when I don't have gold and silver? They took it in 1933. But they said they gave us something in this place. We will discharge every single debt or prepay every single obligation, every single liability, dollar for dollar. So they told you, you don't have to worry about it. We got you. All you have to do is give us your autograph, AU, gold. Your autograph is all you need. Social's not even needed. Just the autograph. That's all they need. It's your autograph. It's our That's AU. why they make you laugh for everything. Exactly. I, I don't think anyone can get a contract if all they do is put their social security number down on the signature line. That, that ain't going to do it. Try it. See if it works. I'm going to give you something to sign and you put your social security security number on it. What's that, sir? Now, I have a question. What is a security agreement? That uh, Basically, when you sign something that's worth money, that has a value. I won't say worth money. It has a value. It's a security. An agreement means it's only one signature. A contract it's two signatures. And the only, one, only thing I see people have contracts is when they buy a uh, uh, buy something on, what is that, a land contract, you know, where you got two signatures on it. But think about it. What did they sign? 
on the penalty of perjury, they never sign anything. Everything we talk about, everything that you receive, only requires your signature, not theirs. Your autograph. So it's an agreement. An agreement is not a contract. An agreement is that this is what I agreed to do for you, and guess what? Because it is your agreement, you can change the condition. You can get rid of it. What is it? I think it's 20 CF, is it 20 CFR 404.9501? Let me look it up. Um, what is a, what What is an agreement? To make a payment on an agreement. I got to see where I did with this. Now, a UCC is a financial statement. That's not an agreement, security agreement, right? No, no, a security agreement would be, yeah, yeah, UCC, there's a, a security agreement between you and your debtor, the debtor and a secure party creditor. So both signatures are on there in, in a sense because that's, you, you're supposed to attach the security agreement. You're supposed to attach that inside your UCC. On a trust, it's called an indenture. And an indenture is where you're signing, you are signing with the trustee. You're telling the trustee what to do. So it's called an indenture and a trust. It's called a security agreement and a UCC. And guess what? Everything that they, uh-huh. all the con, all the contracts that you are signing, that you are agreeing to, they are creating a trust. So if a trust is created, my question to folks out there, and please call in if you got a you know answer to it, is did you ever file an indenture? Did you ever tell them who you are and what you expect them to do as your public trustee? Because if you didn't tell them what to do, I assume they figure they can do whatever they want to. Think about so you it. need to. F- you need to file a security agreement with the UCC, right? Yes, but with your contract, you have to file what? A trust. What contract you they created. They, yeah, you, 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 they created a trust. You have to file an indenture. You have to file an indenture is equal to a security agreement. But one is for one okay. area of finances, okay. and the trust is for. A, another area. So the indenture is inside a trust. You never told them what you wanted at the beginning. Yeah, they gave you some kind of uh, agreement and paperwork that we never signed. And maybe in, in, you might be able to find a lot of problems that they're doing right in the paperwork that you see in small print. But it, it's just as easy for you to let them know who you are because they kind of let you know what they're going to do. You know, mm-hmm. for you, but that's not everything you're gonna want. There might be some other conditions that you're going to be looking at. So you, so you need to file an indenture. I wrote one up today. I call it's gonna be a, a simple agreement that I'm gonna file. So that is the way so, you need to work. Now you say that the security agreement has to be. Between two signatures, what two signatures are you talking about? Your signature and who else's signature? Yeah, well, if you know, UCC has debtors. They have two debt. They have a debtor 
and they have the secure party creditors. So if you are the uh, secure party creditor for your for your uh, for your uh, debtor or birth certificate, before you can do that, the birth certificate has to say that yeah, I got a contract with them. That's what I'm saying. People are bringing in their UCC one, but the court don't see the contract that gave them the consent. Even in the GSA, there's a 1414, standard form 1414, that says you have a security consent, consent of the security. That means you got permission to do that. So you're you saying you just don't you don't, so you're saying you just, it's, it's more than just the UCC. You have to have that security agreement with the UCC. And that's the agenda that tells what you're going to give, what you want, and what you're going to do, or, or however. Well, it's not so much the indenture; that's with the trust. But you're right; it's a security agreement. However, the security agreement needs to really be backed by a contract. You need a contract with yourself. You need something that says, "I'm giving this person the power of attorney to act." In my on my behalf because I am a child. The birth certificate is an infant. You can't even go into court because you need a, a, a power of attorney. You have to have an attorney. They won't. They can't listen to a child. So you okay, have to have so, a power of attorney. So the security agreement can be a power of attorney between you and your birth the birth certificate giving you the power of attorney. Yes, and it's called a beneficial, equitable rights, title, and interest. Remember, interest is what? Oh, that's what comes out of your estate. That's the money that comes out of your estate. Title, they always give They give you a certificate of title. Rights, that's what God gave you. So you're getting the equitable rights from God, the title from what they give you, because they're going to give you a certificate title where they're saying you have an interest in it. And the interest, which is what comes out of your estate, so you can file taxes for yourself. Because if you get a W-2, you don't have to file it, and you shouldn't be filing under your name. Set up a trust and let the trust file it for you or your secure party creditor. Let it file your taxes. The IRS don't care who's filing, just as long as it get reported. They don't care where the funds come from, but if the funds come to you, then you need to report it, which is one of the number one things I want everyone to do right now is get the way as request for the wages and income statement at the at the beginning of next year so you have everything that's done in this year, the wages and income statement where you can see who gave you money that must be reported to the IRS as being a taxable issue. And there might be something that's not on there. What you don't see on there maybe is your house note, your car note. If you was in prison, you don't see that the money they took out of your estate to take care of you in jail. Because, come on, if someone, if the bank said that they gave me $300,000 to buy my house, why aren't they reporting it to the IRS? How come you're not getting a statement at the end of the year saying, Someone gave you $300,000. That's how you can get out of it, people. 
They don't report it. If they did, they're going to jail. Because they say, wait a minute, you didn't get give them $300,000. You took it out of their estate. That proves they're criminals. So they don't give you anything at the end of the year. Just think about it. Everything that money you receive, so you have a landscaping company and someone's paying you, and they're going to report it on the IRS because they gave you money. If someone gives you any transaction, it needs to be reported to the IRS. Have you ever, people, when you bought your house, your car, your student loan, have you ever received a W-2 or some kind of 1099 or something saying that you received any funds from them? When they're saying you owe the money. Wait a minute, you owe you owe us money and we're going to take your house. Well, wait a minute. Uh, why didn't you report it to the IRS? I'm just, I just, hopefully someone heard what I just said. They're saying you owe money. They're going to take your house because in the contract, you in default because you owe money. Um, Excuse me. How come they didn't give you something saying that you owed it from the IRS? Because it's not reported to the IRS. So you have to report it. That's how you assess something. You assess it. You get a bill for your house for $300,000. You, you must assess it and give them a 1099-A saying that you are the lender, they are the borrower, checks box five that says that they did not, uh, the borrower does not pay taxes, would not pay taxes. And the borrower was. They were borrowers, and they didn't pay taxes. So you say they abandoned it's called abandonment. A 1099A has two purposes, acquisition and abandonment. And they abandoned paying tax. They're taking money out of your estate, and they're not paying taxes. I, I heard, uh, what, a few months ago, someone said, oh, Mr. I got a 1099C. Really? 1099C canceled. My debt's been canceled. Wait a minute. Read it. What does it say at the top? Lender? They are the lender, and you're the borrower? And they, didn't, and they checked the box saying that the bar must pay taxes. Does that sound like you just got canceled or they transferred it to you? They are transferring the debt to you so they don't have to pay taxes. So you get a 1099-C, you better look in who, who's in what box. You would be so surprised how they are trying to pass the debt from them to you. That's what your employer does when he gives you a W-2. If he didn't give you the W-2, he took money out of your estate to pay you, so otherwise you're being paid to work for yourself. You're paying yourself to work. If he doesn't report it, then he's stuck to pay the taxes on the funds that he withdrew. I, I don't know. Am I sounding clear enough? Or am I talking too fast? Am I clear enough here? Yeah, you you're clear. Uh we have somebody on the line. I'll open the line up here. Um okay. three zero three zero one two two one. Three zero one. Lawrence, this is you yet. Um, you mentioned about we get when we get the coupon uh, um how I, my question is, I've seen where I've gotten coupons from a bill, and it is asking to attach your check or 
make your uh, payment payable to such and such. Um, they accept check, money order, etc. Um, so why is it if the coupon is a negotiable instrument, why is it that they're telling you to attach a check with it or make your payment with a check? Ah, I'm glad you said that because there's a key word that you said that we talked about a minute ago that you're not reading the coupon right. It says make a payment. It says make a payment. And then sign their name, sign, you know, put their, attach their name to it. Make a payment. What did we say payment was? What did I say? Where's the payment? Where's the definition of payment? Article 1, Section 10 in the Constitution. Payments can only be made with gold and silver. Okay. So, so they're not asking you for a money order. They're not asking you for a check. They're asking for your autograph, sweetheart. And then you write on there, pay to the order. You convert that coupon is an incomplete under UCC three one one five. It's an incomplete and negotiable instrument that you must add numbers and words on it. They gave you an incomplete negotiable instrument. You have to play numbers and words, but make a payment is where you write your autograph, endorse it. With your autograph, that's the only thing so they're saying. You, because, go ahead. So, are you endorsing the front of it or the back of it? It it it, it depends on what you want to write down. Because if you get a check from your uh, employer and you flip uh-huh. it over, you normally write other things like I want to put my exemption ID number on there. I want to put my prepaid account on there. I want to put by colon and put my signature on there, and after that, I want to have UCC 3-415 and 1-308 where I'm not liable. I'm the agent. You could say I'm the agent, and then you put those without recourse, which means you're not liable for it, and then you put down there 1.308 and I, I'm not going to Say that UCC again. You're going fast. I'm sorry, UCC 3-415, UCC that 314, or you can write down without recourse, one or the other. I, personally, I don't want to do a lot of writing, so use the number. Of course, Michigan is 440-3415. UCC 3-415 and UCC-3-314. One one is it one point three oh eight? Those are the one is one is talking about the liability. You no longer liable. When we put that word without recourse, you're not liable for whatever amount of money that's on that coupon. Or, or anyone sent you a bill. You are not liable. You're a secondary and you are not liable for that. And of course you always have unalienable rights because we're under God and you're not getting rid of your rights as being a, a citizen of the of the Christian world, you know, of God's world. But that you, you said it. You said it, but you're not seeing it because we weren't taught what payment is. We only doing payment because that's the way our mamas and daddies and grandmas, but they didn't know. They came from, they were illiterate way back when, when 
and just got educated like in the 20s and 30s. So they're not knowing what payment is. Because we weren't uh, we under the, con- and the Constitution. We weren't under the Constitution. And remember, the Constitution of the United States is for them to treat the American citizens. That is not for us. It is their contract with England to treat the American citizens so that they will pay money, pay taxes, and that the armies, because we are much under martial law, will get paid. Unit, did I did I explain to you what what you what you're not seeing? You read, I, I I'm glad you show what you tell me what you read, but you're saying it, but you're not understanding what you are saying. You're not understanding what you are saying. What you're telling. The well, question I didn't hold a minute. The question I didn't ask you is there a routing number, account number, and a, and the amount at the bottom of that coupon? Yeah, some of them have um, like a routing number and the amount or whatever the bill is. Yeah. Yeah. That means they already got the funds in, a, in their bank. All they want you to do is release it. They want you to release what they already have. The coupon was their way of telling you, um, Ms. Yuna, we, we, we took this amount out of your estate. What do you want us to do with it? Ask Nominees, they are following publication 1212, IRS publication 1212, and they must return it to the principal. So you have to say release it. Now, they could release it as an OID, or they could release it as a tax refund, which is OID. You put it on your 1040, so you get it back in a refund. Or, like, Why are inhabit- they- Why are they asking for money orders or checks on there? Yeah. And we just look at what's the name. You could put the word money order on the top then. You don't want to put checks because then you got to start using your estate because checks have to have money back in it. Anyone can file a money order. I'm ordering you to do this. I'm ordering you to take the funds down there and return it back to me. Money order. I'm ordering you to give me the funds. And and I get same name Charles Booker has a YouTube and uh, um, Facebook telling you how anyone can write. You can write a money order, and he getting that from that CPA review manual that they have to study to take the test to become a CPA, Certified Public Accounting. He talks about how it tells you how to write the money order, and you could do it in writing. So if you get detained, you could just say, well, I need a piece of paper so I can give you a money order, whatever I owe. You know, is it really that simple? I don't know, folks. Why not? You're ordering them. Money, this is money on the bottom, and you're ordering them to discharge the debt. You write the name on the person on the coupon, whoever that person is, pay to the order. It tells you things you have to put on there. And you have to put on there without recourse. I am not liable for this debt. They're not going to come after you anyway because you're not the surety. But some folks, again, as I said earlier. I'm looking at this this bill I have here. Uh, It's a property tax bill, okay? 
for the city for Baltimore. And the coupon says, return with this part with your payment. Um, Mayor and City Council Baltimore Real Property Tax Levy. Then it says, make check payable to Director of Finance slash Baltimore. Um, then it has the amount, annual payment, 50528. And it has a property address on there. Then it, then it has a box that says, please indicate the amount being paid. Amount paid. Then it even have a little barcode, it looks like, and um, some numbers at the bottom of the uh, the thing. So, like I said, it's saying make check payable to. Okay, right. So, again, they gave you a blank check. They gave you an incomplete check. So, you say pay to the order. And you put the name of the person who sent it to you. Now you're giving it to the people who gave it to you. And it says payment. Make a payment. The payment is your signature. And then it says, it says check. But what if you look under negotiable instruments, is it, what is that, UCC 3-104? A negotiable mm-hmm. instrument, a check. And if you read, read it and it goes down, a check is a money order. It's a money order. Look under negotiable instruments. I believe it's, uh, I don't know what section it is. I need to bring it up. But a check is a money order. It's the same thing. It's up to a check. has to have money backing it up, like you're checking account, like a debit card. You got to have fun. The money order does not. It's going to be working off of you. You're gonna, he said you're going to be putting your Social Security number in there. You're going to be putting your exemption ID number on there. And you're going to be putting that, uh, that uh, prepaid, uh, prepaid money, that prepaid exempt, which is the, the letter and the number on the back of your, of your social. So you're giving sources of where that money order is going to be taken from. But they actually did that anyway. But see, you got to understand it. When you send a coupon back to them and you got everything down there properly done, then they mm-hmm. can go and, and take that money order and give it to the treasury and the treasury can go to the uh, Consilium Federal Reserve notes on just that coupon you just signed. So, in other words, they get paid, but you get discharged, but they will get paid. Because that, what I just said you need to do on that coupon and make it into a money order is what they can use to go and securitize it and get Federal Reserve notes on what we send back to them. Okay. It's almost like you wrote a regular check to somebody, but you okay. you converted what because okay. every the, the requirements of in you know, the instrument does it have the name of the company on it? Does it have their address? Does it have their signature? You know they've signed they've all that's their stuff. And then again, look at eighteen USC eight. It says obligations and securities of the United States defined, and you will see that word coupon or you see that word bill. On the list. So it doesn't matter what's on there. The fact is it's still a coupon and it belongs to them. So you're supposed to give it back to them. But And, and something I heard you say, they said, put it in a box. No, you do not put it in a box. Because if you look up the parentheses, anything in a box means it doesn't really exist. 
they normally put the price in the box. I didn't realize. I guess they had another box for you to put your amount in there. Your yeah. amount wasn't in, yeah. a, in a, a box? They have an amount in the box, but then below that, is there's another box that say amount paid, and it said please indicate the amount being paid. And they want so you, you to put a, it in a box. So I guess they want you to write that amount in the box. Yeah. Well, anyone will tell you, any legal person will tell you, anything in a box doesn't really exist. That's why it's a blank check, because the money they put in that box, it's not there. It's not real. So, in other words, what you're doing when you put your amount in there is like you're giving them a blank check, because they still, the amount is still not in there. They can do what they want. You don't put it in the box. You put it below the box when you make it a money order, when you're creating a negotiable instrument, to create a proper negotiable instrument, to create a proper money order. I just thought this guy at Facebook named Booker. He got a, a Muslim name at the beginning, but his Charles Booker is a person um, that did a very good video on how to write up a money order. And he took a bill, and he did that. Because they, the amount, you said there's amount on the bottom, and there's a, there's a routing number on the bottom, that means somebody got some money somewhere, whatever they say is in the box. Because if you notice at the bottom, it also usually has an amount on there too as well. Before it used to be a routing number and account number, but now they're putting the amount down there too. Yeah, you're right. It's in. It's right there in the bottom in, among the number, among the those routing numbers. Okay. So they yeah. don't have it in the box. They put it down there. They don't have really have it in the box. You don't have it in the box. No, no, no. Just, are they just saying that they already got those funds in that account? Now, where did they get those funds from? Application 1212, page 7, nominee. If you're a holder of a debt instrument and you have a, a 1099 OID, with your taxpayer's number and somebody else's funds, you are a nominee. And it said, then you must file another 1099, another 1099, where you are the payer or to each owner. You are to file another 1099 to each owner, and you stating them as being a recipient, the owner's recipient, and you are the payer. But that second half ain't been happening. They're not returning it. So, therefore, it's considered a federal withholding. They are holding this federal withholding because you are not telling them, one, that you are the owner. Mm -hmm. So, they're not sending an OID. Nobody's got any money back from any time they paid any debt. They're not receiving any funds back because they're not doing it properly. So, it's a federal withholding, which later on is going to catch up with you in some kind of taxes that you're going to see you owe. Well, how, how do I owe this much? I, I don't even make that much a year. Yeah, I got taxes. Oh, it's just building up. And when you get audited, you're in bad shape. So you, but if you assess that amount, you got the coupon. If you know what the amount is, if you assess it, meaning you file it on taxes, a 1099A, a, uh, a 1099OID later on, and then, uh, of course, a 10 um uh, 96 is where you report it all on. And they say, they say you're actually supposed to do it on a 1040. It was talking about using a 1040. I was reading someone else. 
So you could file it and actually know that it went to the IRS because you filed a 1040 and you are not to fill out anything that says ex uh, exemptions or deductions. You just put the amount at the top and then start going to the second page. And I guess there's no insurances, another thing, and you will wind up getting all of it back. Where as for your social, put your exemption number on there. Your exemption ID number. So you, you, you don't pay taxes on what came out of your estate in the first place. They have no money. They bankrupt. If they bankrupt, they can't have anything. But but see, she gotta she gotta understand what she's doing because they're come and take her house for taxes. So she gotta really understand what what, what she's doing with that. Well, when you report it to the OID, uh, I mean the o, when you send in the OID, you report it to the IRS. They getting a copy of it. Actually, you should. They should be sending you the OID. Once you do the 1099A on them, and you tell them, you say, I'm telling, I call it 1099A as an alert. I have alerted to IRS that you took these funds out of my account, and I'm saying you abandoned paying taxes on it. What do you think they're going to be doing? They, they wanna, You might wind up getting your OID from them. Cause that's the way 1212 said. They must file another OID. But Remember, the 1099A is where you tell them, I am the lender and you are the borrower. So you let them know who the owner is. So, what, uh, who was talking about the OIDs on YouTube? That kind of broke down. Actually, actually, I'm reading it, and I believe it's Gene Keating that's talking about assessing your estate. Or I think it was one where they had that Uncle Sam zero your account. Okay. Remember that yeah, picture with the picture of Uncle Sam and his finger? And you, uh, what you're doing is you zero in the account because you are reporting to the IRS, so that makes your account zero. Please understand, once you pay it off on the private side, it automatically goes away on the public side. It's like a reflection. They don't have anything reflecting on the public side. If it's, if it's in well, it's, isn't, isn't when she write on the back of it, that's private? Well, I mean, that's private and private. public. That's private and public, but you, if you're dealing with public entities, it doesn't really matter how you're doing it, just as long as they get the information that they need, whether it's on the one side or the back. They tell you it's private on the back, but, you know, it don't. If you're going to a public official, what difference does it make? The coupon belongs to the United States, which to me is automatically should be private. And that's what under again 18 U.S.C. 8, sweetheart, it says coupon. It didn't say some coupons, maybe a few coupons. It just says coupons and bills and Federal Reserve note. It gives you a list of what belongs to the United States. Give back Caesar what is Caesar. But properly do it because he didn't give it to you. He put the amount in a box. It's like um, I'm giving you a blank check. But you kind of want to stay away from checks and go to money order. Because when they say check, they want you to have put those your hard-earned fair reserve money in the bank to back up a check. But that's not the way it's supposed to work the money order, I don't have to have nothing in my bank. I don't even have to have a bank account. You get it? 
Yeah. I already got it. If I got a bank account, it would be the one that's on the back of my Social Security card. That's the one y'all need to be looking at. Not what I got at my local commercial bank. See, they, they're working for each other. You, you got to understand, they're trying to work for each other and make you uh, to sit in to them, you know, that you have to be accountable to them. when It's not required. Because, see, the Federal Reserve notes you put in there is in parentheses under HJR. It's under parentheses. It don't even exist. But your signature is called currency, all coins and currency. Currency requires your autograph. Federal Reserve notes do not. That belongs to the United States. They had to make a special law just so that Federal Reserve notes would be used to pay off private and public debt, and that's 12 U.S.C. 411. 12 U.S.C. 411. They had to make a special law to have Federal Reserve notes used to pay off debt because in H.J.R. 192, Federal Reserve notes is in a parenthesis. It doesn't really exist. You could take it out. Did you have any more questions? Did you have any more questions, Carla? No. Did you understand what I'm saying, Carla? Carla, you know, don't hang up. If you didn't understand, I don't care. I go over whatever you need because I like the way you read off the coupon. We saw exactly what it said. Because, see, that's what people do. They read it, but they don't understand what they're reading. Understand, yeah. We have a mental block. Or what we understand under Webster as opposed to what they understand under Black's Law. And remember, we're in a foreign country. They are all foreigners. So you know that the language is foreign as well. Yeah, but they don't teach us their language. They don't teach us banking language and law language. Again, Chinese don't have to teach us... Chinese don't have to teach you their language either. Japanese, they, uh, no. I mean, they offer it at school, but that's an option that you take. Nobody has to teach you anything but how to follow their rules. So you're saying I could take this coupon and turn it into a money order and send it back to them for them with to a 1099A. With a 1099A attached to it so they don't have any questions who it is. Because the red copy is going to go to the IRS, and they're going uh-huh. to get the carbon copy, and you get a copy. I'm letting them, let them know, hey, and you're actually supposed to send another, send a letter, uh, the same coupon. The original really goes to the treasurer. You could send one to the treasurer and with uh-huh. a dollar stamp on it. Uh, you know, you could put a dollar stamp on there and just cross out all those numbers and say pay to the order of the U.S. Treasurer and put down there, type right in there, $1 stamp. You know, no, don't put the word stamp. They say $1. Uh-huh. And give it to the Treasurer. That sets it off. See, there's a difference between set off and discharge. Discharge is on the public side. Set off is on the private side. Because remember, mm-hmm. if, they send, if they send you the funds, if they give you the OID, if they let you file your taxes and you receive it, the amount that they took out, Never got put back in. Mm-hmm. 
but they gave it to you. Mm-hmm. So you have to put the money back in because the IRS is going to audit and say, wait a minute. Ms. Unison, you know, there's a, there's a gap here. The money on the queue. It's, she's got a, a gap. And, and our job is to balance the book. So if someone took something out, you know that someone has to be put back in. Mm-hmm. And you do that on the private side. Give them, give them a coupon, give them a dollar, you know. The IRS, when you do a 1099, you give them the A. You're, you're telling the IRS, and they're going to go over to them and say, excuse me, so-and-so filed something saying that you took this money out of their estate. Um, have, you, have you paid taxes on it? And if you have it, did you return it back to the principal? That's the way they're supposed to operate. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't return it back to the principal, then what you might be getting is a 1099 OID. Otherwise, they get in trouble. Okay. Same thing in court. The problem is that I have to find and figure out, maybe someone on this call, you know, hey, give me give me a Christmas present today. I need you all to tell me if I'm going to court and, of course, the prosecutor took money under 1212, took money out of your estate, the question is, how do I find out how much money it is before I go to the courtroom so I can have the 1099A and the OID and all those things done before I walk in the, in the courtroom? I want to assess the account before I walk in the courtroom. So how would I find out the amount that they're charging me for my ticket, for my criminal charges? Because, you know, every crime is commercial, people. Every crime is commercial, so it don't matter what you did, DUI, whatever, there is a dollar amount attached. You fill out the OID, and a 1099A, and you are paying and putting the money and reporting what they did so they can either return it back to your state, and now you got a balance, a zero balance, or they give it to you. As people don't understand, uh, or maybe they don't uh, haven't got a full understanding. If you get that bill and it comes from somebody, uh, I don't care, utility, whatever, and you don't pay any bills for like like three months, four months, the original the original creditor automatically send that amount back to zero your account. And if you look at your credit report, it's called charge-off. Remember, charge is the second half of discharge. Off is the second half of set-off. So they discharge and set-off when they send it back to your estate. And they call it charge-off. Now, there are some third-party creditors sees this and say, oh, I'm an attorney. Why don't I take that and say you still owe it? And that's when our third-party debt collector kicks in. And a lot of times they're attorneys, and, and they make it like they're professionals, and you're going to run into a lot of trouble, but they don't have the original contract. The original contract was set off. It was discharged and set off on the public side and the private side. So nobody's supposed to really be coming after you. That's what the original creditor is doing. 
and usually 120 days or something like that is when they just quit coming after you, and they go ahead and they and you see charge off, and then those third party debt collectors come after you. Hmm. I, I'm just trying to break wording because no one understands. No one sees. They, oh, my account been charged off. They don't even know what they're talking about. What does that mean? You know, what does charge off mean? You know, so I'm trying to help you so explain when, it. So when, a, when an account is charged off, are we supposed to discharge that account? No, your account is the same. Your your account is zero. Your account has been turned to zero. They re, the original creditor returned your funds back. Back. So, so so nobody else can come after it. Now you have a situation because every time someone sees the word charge off, they it looks like oh my credit report is good. I didn't pay a debt. So how do you get rid of a charge off on your credit report? Right. 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 A letter to the original debt collector asking for a true bill in commerce. Show me the true bill. They are the GAAP, G-A-A-P, and GAAP has asset side and liability side, and, and it always has to be balanced. A true bill in commerce proves that it came from you in the first place. So, excuse me, if I was the original creditor in the first place, then you committing fraud by screwing up my account. Mm-hmm. You need to you need to remove it because you can keep charge off on there, but now that I can prove that I am the original, I can sue you. I will sue you. And how you sue them? I'm not talking about going to court. Learn people, learn the commercial lien, putting a commercial lien on these people mm-hmm. where you file C one and you make. Whoever you're speaking to, if it's a person you're speaking to, to uh, uh, the uh, chief financial officer or whatever, you know, you you make him the first debtor and the company would be the second debtor and your trust, not your name, and your trust would be the secure party creditor. And in box five, whatever the amount is, multiply by four and tell them this is the damages that I'm looking for you to pay. Four times the amount is the damages I want you to pay because I was the original creditor. And then underneath that, the last line on that box four, you say, and please, there will be no retaliation when you pay me this this bill. Don't, don't. See, these people that got away, when you, they send you a check and when you endorse it and deposit, and they're going to come after you for some kind of fraud that they claim you did. Where you say there could be no retaliation, you put that as a condition. I want you to pay me, and then make sure that I get a letter stating that there will be no retaliation on me. That's a true way of putting a debt on someone. And I guarantee, remember, the person whose name and you get a, a bond number, find out if there's a judge or whatever. What is their bond? CFOs they have to be bonded. So let me get under the Constitution. They have to be bonded. What is a bond? The bond is for your protection. Not theirs. If, if it's so, that, so if you get damaged, they have a way of paying you when you get damaged. Anyone is a notary? Are you a notary? No. 
Okay. Well, if you know any notaries, they tell you in Michigan is ten thousand dollars. Someone else said in their state is thirty thousand. But a notary has to have a bond, and it's not for them. It's to protect the person that they're working, you know, for the client that they're working for. So, but if you keep attacking their bond, they will lose their job. They will lose their job. And then, what about the company? Oh, go to Dunn and send a copy of that to Dunn and Bradstreet. That is their credit report. That is their Equifax. And, and what's those other credit, those other two credit lines that we have? You send that to them saying that, that I'm suing, I'm, I'm putting a lien on them, and uh, that that will screw their credit. You think the few hundred dollars you're asking for is better, is worth them losing their credit report, their credit number? We're talking true enforcement here. I'm trying to get you people to understand what true enforcement. You know, we got here in Michigan, we got this class action suit where all these people are trying to get our county clerk, county executor, uh, you know, uh, trouble because he's requiring them to pay property taxes and, and everybody's under the poverty level in the country here in Detroit and, and they got this class action suit. Hell, why don't they all just file a UCC1 on him? He loses mm-hmm. job. You, you you understand? You see that? Mm-hmm. He will lose his job if he, if he gets several complaints that, you know, you're not treating us at a poverty level. Here's the poverty level in Detroit, and I'm not part of that, so therefore I shouldn't have to pay property taxes. That's all you have to say. Put that down in box four. And I want to be this much money for my damages and my time. And then I need you to send me this letter saying you will not retaliate against me because when you make the payment. That, to me, is a true thing to do. And in Michigan, you can file a UCC1 for $15. So I don't have to leave my house. You can do it right online. Now, can you Um, imagine getting a class action suit on that where you got several other people with the same complaint? Go ahead. I'm sorry. So it's like that law, like what they have out on Equifax now with the data breach, okay? So I've been trying to um, sue Equifax individually because there is a data breach on my on my social. However, you need a notary presenter, and I'm having a hard time finding a notary presenter um, to do this, I thought so I was a notary protest. So you you try to do a notary protest against something against Equifax? Yeah, I'm trying to uh, send out some administrative documents to Equifax. Okay, however, for me to sue Equifax or to get the documents out, I need a, they say I need to use a notary presenter or notary yeah that's what they call it notary presenter um, yeah well uh, notary protest to file a notary protest but let me tell you you're, t- you're okay. taking the wrong approach you're taking the wrong approach these credit bureaus do not work for you they work for those corporations they only put on there what those corporations give them they can't make up any numbers they only get what they got their contract is with the corporation not with you you are going the wrong direction, and it's not going to help at all, 
Equifax has nothing to do with you. You have no contract with Equifax, so why would they care what you write, what you do? They're going to ignore it. But the company, the amount that they're putting on there, now I think people, listen to me. This is really sweet, what I just said about assessing the tax or the charge. Mm -hmm. Get a credit report, because if I'm not mistaken, the last time I looked at credit reports, not not only they tell you the amount that you owe, they'll give you the date the account was opened up. Now, it sounds to me, if you got the amount and the date it was opened up, it seems like you need to file a 1099-A and an OID on that amount and get rid of it. Pay it off on the private side. I'm going by what the data breaches. They said there's a data breach um, that happened with their system. And they're saying that all our information has been sold somewhere in Timbuktu. Okay, they don't know. Oh, oh. Okay, I'm sorry. You, you said D-A-T-A breach. Now, yeah, I'm data. Oh, okay, I thought no. you said D-A-T-E. I'm like, date of breach? Like it was someone not making a payment. Okay, I'm thinking date, no. not data. No. Data breach. D-A-T-A breach. Um, oh, okay. So I got this through Mosiah, okay? And he um, once I went and checked for myself on um, Equifax, I did fall in the category of the data breach, okay? Now, they have a lawsuit going out there, uh, what they call that, uh, uh, when, when it's, you just said it, when, when a class action. A class action, a class action. But you ain't coming out <laughs> with no kind of money with that. I, it's, it's, it's so little bit, it's funny. Um, yeah. So That's always I'm, the case. Right. I'm trying to go about it on the on the private end or on the individual end um, to sue them. Because if I go on okay. the private end, that you you could come out better. However, if I go that route, I need a notary presenter, and I have not been able to find one. I thought I located one. Send him my um the he had a PayPal account. Sending my information and payment, but have not heard anything back from them. So, well, and, and I, I'm not because what happened. My understanding, notary presentment, uh, that mm-hmm. a notary protest. I'm sorry, notary protest is when the notary sends. Let's say I sent in a, a money order, and they didn't uh-huh. accept it. The company didn't accept it. A notary right. protest is right. whether the notary was sent in another money order of her own, and they didn't accept that. Now she said, well, wait a minute. You're not accepting this. And, and again, a notary is an officer of the court and also took the oath under the state of that they're in, and every corporation is licensed in that state. So you're talking about a serious crime, but even then, with the notary protest, two things you can do if it involves some funds that you did and they didn't give you back your money order or they didn't give you back what you send them, then if you look under the uh, Statutes at Large, Volume 13, write this down, Statutes at Large, Volume 13, page 113. Statutes at Large, Volume 13, page 113, Stat. 
1-800-273-1113. That is the whole Emergency Bankruptcy Act and how every single bank must operate it because every corporation has to have a bank that's backing it up. Everyone has a bank account. So mm-hmm. what you can do is you can go to the controller currency. If you didn't get that money ordered back that you sent to them to pay it off, and I know you got a data breach, which I'm not absolutely sure someone got some information on you from them, exactly what are they asking for, but you could still go to, if it's, again, anyone out there who had money that they gave and they didn't get the coupon back, it's more likely they cash it in. You need to go to the controller of currency with a, mo- a no protest. That's how a no protest really become effective. So a no protest... Call it a notary protest. He called it a notary presenter, which they supposed to. So when I when you mail out the document, and or they mail out the document, they act like the middle person. They mail out the document on your behalf. If they didn't respond, they send out a, a, a some other doc certificate, some other document saying that they yeah. didn't respond. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so a document to cure it, you know, they, they usually yeah. send a second one out to, uh, you know, to straighten out. Then they got one to cure it. And that's basically a, right. a, a call an administ- administrative process. But, again, do you have a contract with them? That's the question I would have to state out because courts only deal with contracts. And do you have a contract with Equifax? Because my understanding, Equifax only got contracts with corporations. So if you don't have a contract with them, it doesn't matter what happens or they do. You have to show, because if, the, if there's some kind of damage that's been done to you because of the results of that data breach, then you have line, uh, you know, have something to reference to. But what, right. kind of damages, what kind of damages have been done to you because of that data breach? Because that's a hard one to prove, but you personally, like, I was a landlord. And, you know, one of my people, um, tenants, didn't shovel the snow. And a girlfriend came over, and she slipped and failed and hurt herself, mm-hmm. you know. And and I guess she went to the doctor or whatever. She tried to sue me. And the judge mm-hmm. kept hinting to me, you got a, I got a contract with the tenant, but I don't have a contract with her. And she said, mm-hmm. case dismissed, case dismissed. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even though she was on my property, she slipped and failed on my property, but she don't have a contract with me. Now, if the, if the people I was in there did it, and I always go put in my contract, shovel the snow, you know, and, and cut the grass, you know, I put that in my contract, then he, then I don't have, I got myself covered. But someone else, you know, uh-uh, that don't work. And so I'm just saying, Equifax is a, that's one to me is a hard one because you can't show that there's any damage that happened to you after the breach of you know, uh, a, tr- a trust. You know, a data breach. What, what, what are you? What are you complaining? What did you lose? You can't even put an amount in there because you haven't lost anything. So, what are you going after? You understand what I'm saying? Like you just reaching for the sky. And... I hear what you're saying, but the 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 very fact that it's saying that it's a data breach, that's the proof right there. The very fact that you you put me in a category to say that my my data has been breached, okay? So I don't know who has my data. I don't know where where 
it's that. Who where you sold it? I'm getting I'm getting scam calls all over since God knows yeah. when. Right? That's well, the result of it. Well, we all get a scam call, but that had nothing to do with the data breach. The problem is the data breach wasn't for you. It had to look the people he they got contract with. That's that that's basically what they're saying. Do we need to be reporting her credit with you all because you all have a data breach. You need to fix that data breach before we report anything else to you. It's the liability is on them, not on you. They're trying to warn the people who they have contact with, the corporation. That's what the data breach is for, not you, because you don't have a contract with them. They're letting those other folks let them know. Don't be giving us anything. But they have our data, though. They have our – if, if I'm going to do a credit report now or credit check, you got to go through them. Yeah. But, again, your, where is the damage? Where is the damage? You're going to have to have a damage. So we go with that. You just can't say, oh, I want what? You're going to make up an amount or something and, and not base it on any contract that you have with them? It's not going to work. I'm just telling you my, my opinion. It's not going to work. You're reaching for the sky on something that you don't have. That Again, they work for the corporation. That's why I know a lot of people, they uh, go to them and say, hey, I don't have that. That This is false reporting and whatever. And please so verify. So why they have everybody in, why they have the people who have been damaged, they have them in uh, like a class action where they can get X amount of money or whatever um, from the case. It's about Monday. You can lock on my property. You can sue anybody. You can sue anyone, but if you don't have a contract with you, the judge dismissed the case. They they dismissed the case because you don't have any uh, right to file against any of your body. In that case, everybody be sued by everybody, you know, left and right. Well, there has to be some kind of case, some kind of contract, and some kind of damages that you're saying that was done, and you want to be recouped. And the court is just there to get, recoup you for your damages, not that the damage was done. Well, Mr. Rice, we're down to our last four minutes. Okay. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. No problem. Ooh, Thank you, I didn't know that was I got on. I got on. I got on a little late, folks. I'm sorry about that. But anyhow, yeah. Any more? Any more so calls come people, in? No, nobody else had their hands raised. If you're going to raise your hands, it's the time to raise them. And and yeah. give out your uh, your Skype information too, Mr. Rice, so people can contact okay. you. Okay. All right, and and let me say this too first. I'm gonna get my Skype is Rice Tech six five five seven. That's Rice Tech R I C E T H E. I'm sorry, T T E C H Rice Tech six five five seven. I'm getting calls from people, and when I hang up, they're going they sending me questions. I'm always gonna tell you now. If it's a question, I if you didn't call me on Sunday and I put this call in and I put the number and the time, if you're not gonna call me on this on this time frame for free, for free, I am not answering your question. What are you doing, Beverly? That's not Beverly. me. You hear me? 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What's all that? All that? Yeah, I can hear you good. But what's all that crunching? That wasn't you. Okay, that might have been my. That might have been my paper. I was moving over. That's probably what it was. Okay. No, people. Okay. No, I don't hear it now. And and you got somebody. People, they're gonna wait till I get off. I do. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. Finish, Finish telling them. Yes. Somebody no. want to talk to you. Okay, yeah, I'm just, I'm just making a, yeah, I'm just making a statement. If you don't call into the show for free, don't be sitting there getting mad because I don't want to help. I'm not going to waste my time because your situation is not brand new. What we discussed and talking to this lady, that's not brand new. So bring it up here so other people could, could, could get some kind of uh, understanding of what you're going through to maybe help them with their situation. But nobody got anything that's new under the sun. I'm sorry. You don't have anything that's new under the sun. But you do have something that, you know, I, my, my response in my time, and no one's, I, I'm sorry, the few dollars that I might get from you is not enough compared to what you would do if you went to an attorney and paid. So don't be saying I'm overcharging, no, I'm charging or whatever. You know, so you don't, you don't, don't go there. Don't go there. I'm not going to be asking Anyone quit in situations, especially those guys that are just getting out of jail. And I, I appreciate them. Glad you have. And again, there's ways you can. This is tax season. This is the time you need to get back all the funds you made while you were in jail. But don't be asking me on the side. Ask me now. Because from now on, I'm just going to put it in the time call Sunday show, the time and the number. That's what you're going to be getting in my response. Because so many folks just seem to think that, oh, Myron. He could he could waste his good he got plenty of time. No, I do not have plenty of time to answer questions when there's somebody who can have just as easily answered ask the question on the show. There's no such thing as a bad question, please. Okay, call it. Go ahead. All right. Uh five five one three eight four six. Okay, Myron, uh, I was going to talk. I don't, I, this is my first time calling in. Um, okay. Uh, the lady was, I, I'm, I'm, I got two things uh, that I was trying to address. Uh, when the lady was uh, talking about the uh, Equifax breach, that was the breach due to um, Equifax. Actually, the breach was actually done on their behalf. So now they're giving out people $125 if they was breached, but you can sue them. In that class action, that, she wasn't explaining that uh, very well to you, but uh, that's the oh, okay. I uh, thank you for, and uh, and that's that's why I say ask questions where other people could bring put in their own input. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I that didn't was get the to, first I, thing. I, yeah. What's the second? And the, and the, the second, <laughs> the second thing was <laughs> I was uh, going to answer your question when you were talking about uh, the bond for your case. Well, every case has an appearance bond on it. You can go down there. You can get the appearance bond for that case. Where? Go go down where? To the county. The county. The county. Oh, county court. Where, 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 county court. Correct. The county court on where the um where the uh, case is going to be held. So if so if I was to, if you were to drive. Uh, with driving and you ran a red light, cop pulled you over and he gave you a ticket. And sometimes they have the amount on there. Sometimes they may want you to come to court. But 
You're saying I should be able to go to the county clerk and get a an appearance bond, the price, the cost, of, or an appearance bond that they that they filed for that Correct. case. Correct. Correct. They filed it on your behalf because and you signed the ticket and you did a promise to appear. So it's appearance bond on that case. Well, in Detroit, in Michigan, we don't sign tickets, but I know there are some states like Atlanta and then where they get you to sign it. And when you do sign a ticket, put down there V period, C period, that's under duress. That's what that means. V as in Victor, period, C as in Charles, period. And then sign that's, it. That means you sign it, under, you sign it under duress. And, that's of course, correct. put that liability. And put that, again, earlier we talked about those laws for uh uh, without recourse and um, reserving my rights, so put them on, put them on there, put that under there too as well. I really thank you. And and let me ask a quick because I know when they go to court, they do that bid bond first because they're gonna bid, they're gonna bid it out, and then they go into the performance bond where if you don't satisfy what's on that performance bond, then they put you in default and you go into jail, and then the payment backs that up. So no, those are the numbers. They- I- what they do is they do the appearance first, and then if you don't appear, then they do a a, a bid bond and then a, and all those other bonds after that. The only bond that is on their case right now is a appearance bond. And um, oh, okay. what I was going to ask, like, do you got a Zoom going on tonight or or no? No, no, we do it on Wednesday. At six o'clock, oh, okay. but this okay. is a holiday, so actually everyone is on vacation till next year, wherever the uh, uh, year is. We're on vacation, and there were some homework assignments that I given out. Look at, like I say, look at the bonds. How do I cash in on these bonds? How do I liquidate, terminate bonds? Was one of the assignments. The other one is we had two people from Ohio, and we wanted them to look at their laws, the ORC. Uh, 3701, I'm sorry, 3705.11, um, Fondling Child. And it states in there that if once you have recovered your birth record, once you have obtained your birth record, that you must re- you must give it to somebody and they will put your birth certificate in an envelope and seal it. And it is not to be opened. And if your birth certificate is out there in probate or any local registrar has it, that it must be destroyed. So the question is now they got that law that says it. That's uh, again ORC 3705.11, Fondling Child. And it's in the middle of the last paragraph. You know, that's only if you were born in, in Ohio, though, right? No, no, yes, but every, I, Michigan has the same law, but Ohio clarifies it. Every state has the same law. Yeah, I wasn't but, born in Ohio. I yeah, neither was I. Ohio. It was neither was I, but Michigan has the same law um, under uh, MCL three 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 dot two eight nine two, I believe it's number five. Oh, oh. No, okay. I'm just saying now, every every state has the same law. But the question is, it's not so much the law as who do you turn that birth record to? Their homework assignment is to find out who do you turn in your birth record so that your birth certificate is put in an envelope. Because Michigan has the same thing. It's put in an envelope, but they don't mention the birth record. 
It's replacing the birth record. Remember, that's when you was alive. Birth certificate is when they made you dead. And you put, they put that in an envelope. That means nobody can ever charge you for nothing because they don't have access to the funds. So pretty much okay. you're going to be living, living off of the treasury, you know, who has gold and silver. You might get a card or whatever. It's kind of like under the what they call the Sessacue Act of 1666, where you are uh, lost at sea, and after seven years you are dead. But once you've proven that you are alive again, any funds that they were getting, what they were receiving while you were dead, any profit has to be returned back to you. So if the birth record is the proof of you being alive, and they're going to put the birth certificate in an envelope, then that means the money that it made have to come to you because there is no trust out there any longer. All your trusts have been destroyed. And that's how Ohio, I liked it because it was it was simplistic. And if you don't have a law in your state, then you go to Ohio and get a certified copy of that law. And now you can use it, put an affidavit on top of it and say, this is part of my law in my foreign country. I got a foreign entity and this is my law. Okay, yeah, I, I agree with what you were just saying. Um, will you ever be doing another Zoom on those uh, the license plate ordeal that you did? Uh, I want to say a couple months back, I was on your uh, Zoom one day. Um, well, we talk about any and every subject, you know, on Wednesday at six. Uh, the number again is six uh, seven five hmm, three zero oh, five. Zero six six two, but it's only for people who of advanced understanding because I learned how to kick you off. So if you're not coming in with something and don't come in about authenticating a birth certificate, I will kick you off. So please make sure that you well, come in. Well, he sounds like it. he advanced. Oh yeah, I yeah. I got, a, I got, well, I got other listeners out there. <laughs> I got a lot. Of got I, I've been on your calls a couple times, so we we untopped it up. But uh, yeah, I, I get I get exactly what you said. <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't say that for him. We got other listeners out okay. there. You know. All right. Oh, where, where where did I get my birth certificate? Don't don't. Well, <laughs> 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 the people that don't know that vital record. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> You can go online, go to YouTube and ask them, where do I get my birth certificate? I'm pretty sure you'll get an answer there. There's people, but we're trying to move forward in a sense that, okay, we know how to discharge debt. Now, how do we get the money from the funds that they've already received and terminate those trusts that they built up? They call it um, uh, collateral trust certificates and securities that Patrick talked about. All of that is under the, um, the Security Act of 1933. I believe that was May the 27th. It uh, it gave you definitions of uh, security. And I didn't know warranty is on that list, a warrant. So if you get a warrant, is that warrant? That's part of a security. So if someone gives yeah, you a security. Yeah, that's a bond that's, as well. That's a bond thank as well. You. you can uh, monetize off of that as well. I know that process on, on how to do that. Um if if she can, well, she can give you my number, and I I we can talk after the call if you want to, and I I can tell you that that's no problem. Uh, uh, or you can I, take I, I email to, down or whatever the case may be. Well, I, I don't want to do it here. You, you got the Zoom number. Come in and talk to us on the Zoom uh, next year. Okay. Uh, I, I, I just want to say 
Thank you. Thank you for the Christmas present. Thank you for the Christmas <laughs> present. <laughs> okay. We moving, I'm, I'm, yeah, because I'm create. I just create a letter how you need to uh, uh, notice them that you are a uh, a uh, at the age of majority and that you're giving them an indenture. You're telling them what you want them to do inside the trust. We're giving them an indenture. They're a public trustee. And then I got some where we're going to liquidate and terminate. I got letters to do that. Package of mine, this girl named Ann Smith, they they got the endorsement back of it. What I needed, I had I put a cover letter that's going to go on top of it. And the endorsement would go on the back of your birth certificate or whatever you're surrendering back to them. Well, you know, we, we some of us are not ready for that, and I don't want to give a gun to a child, and they're going to get me for child abusing and stuff. So, <laughs> folks, you all have a nice a holiday. I'll see you all next Sunday. Okay. No, well, no, we're not finished yet, Mr. Rice. You came in. Oh, we're not. Sure you got to give us some extra time. Yes. So I have no problem. Go ahead, caller. Okay. Thank you, caller. Thank you. Um, Thank you, caller. Let's see. Okay. 210392. 210392. Yes. Hi, Beverly. Hi, Myron. Hello. Hi, Myron. This is Kimberly from your Zoom class on Wednesday. You wanted me to remind you that there won't be a Zoom class this Wednesday or next Wednesday. Okay, thank you. And I already just mentioned it, but thank you. You were already on the call. <laughs> That's all I wanted to remind you of. I didn't hear you say uh, that. Aren't you the Ohio person? No, I'm the Texas person. No. Wait, wait, oh, te- okay, well... This right. is, yeah, this is Kim. This is Kimberly from Texas. Okay, I, I think Marion. Right. Okay, then. Well, you know, we. What were your assignment? Mar- Marion is North Carolina. <laughs> well, who was that, that? Who did we have? Um, we got so many K's. There was another K in there, wasn't there? Camilla. Oh, anyway. uh, Carmela. 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 Yeah. And uh, uh, and what's this other? The guy named too. They were both from Ohio. Jason. So Jason. Jason right. So uh-huh. we need we need you all to come in, and I think what was my assignment to you all just to find out how to do bonds, how to terminate, liquidate some bonds from listen to Patrick Divine and Ann Smith. These are people that out there, and I think she's part of something called Iron I R O N. Uh huh. And they have they have documents that we need to fill out, and then we send them out to let them know who we are, you know, and. And um, they open up the trust when we sign the contract. I don't understand why we need to be anything other than what we sign it as. If they open it up, we should be able to tell them to get rid of it as well. But, I don't uh, think we're that far in the group. That's the first time I'm hearing about iron. Yeah. I don't yeah, think we're iron, that far. No, no. But that's why I was warning you, when you get on next year, they'll kind of have a head up of what, we, what we're going to be dealing with for next year. Okay. Okay, then. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Thank we got another call. Thank you. Uh, so there is... Where'd they go? It was one. I don't know where they went to. Let me see. Where'd they go? I guess they changed their mind. Uh, All right. Well, they'll, they'll okay, be calling y'all. me. <laughs> 
Okay, so, um, and that's why I was asking you about that security agreement with the UCC, because all of that is in that part of the process to uh, start to get, get your liquidation and stuff going. No, no again, not, not necessarily. The security agreement okay. is attached to the to the uh, UCC one, but however, mm-hmm. if you have a contract already with your secure party creditor, then you don't mm-hmm. need that security agreement. You already got a contract, and 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 it's and you sign it differently, you know, as a credit mm-hmm. as an authorized representative versus as a secure party creditor. Or as a business, you know, you, you, your signatures are different. You know, uh, my ANC is a business. They came back right. with my paperwork, and I'm a bank for your UCC. I'm a, a non-UCC. I'm a bank. And see, you, and remember, non-UCC is private, so nobody's going to see the mm-hmm. security agreement anyway. You know, okay. so, uh, you know, it, it, it's between and you so and you the business. You don't file it with the Secretary of State? They won't receive a non-UCC. They will not receive one. That's why you're a non-UCC. Private. It's private. But I thought they did private and public Secretary of State. That, that's the second, I know, but not the non-UCC. There's a check down at the bottom, but they can't file it. Not my knowledge, they can't. You know, they may file a number, but I don't know. They don't. They can't file your document because it's private. Because think about it. If everyone could put put in, you know, on page two, all your uh, labor charges, you know, social mm-hmm. security, mm-hmm. driving, and everybody knows all the assets that you have. And see, right. these folks don't, they don't be exposed to what, what they have privately. They don't file their homes down at the register of deeds. That means somebody could come in and see what they own and come after that house. People. What I say, you don't have to record it down in, and if you don't record it, of course you don't have to pay taxes on it because you didn't require their services by recording something at the register of deed. Get your property out of the register of deed, transfer it to a trust, and then just report it to the assessors that the trust is private. However, the trustee can sign all the paperwork for the trust. But you and a trustee okay. signed a letter of confidentiality so that nobody knows who the private trust is, so they can't send a tax bill. Okay? Okay. All right. So, you, again, for those that's in your Wednesday Zoom, you're not having a Zoom this Wednesday, and you're not having a Zoom next Wednesday, the next two Wednesday, but the following Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you will have your Zoom class. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Okay. Because we don't want, right. we had it on Wednesday. Yeah, we had it on Wednesday. I'll be hearing all the kids in the background with the toy. Daddy, daddy, my toy. Well, I need right. a battery. <laughs> <We'll>, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they're, with their, they're with their families, and they don't need all that interruption. My, 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 my game ain't working right. You know, my computer needs to be rebooted or whatever. So giving people yeah. time for their families. Yeah, and that, and then the following Wednesday is when the grown, grown folks go party. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. New That's, Year. You know, uh-huh. yeah, everybody got to start. In Detroit, everybody got to start load, loading their pistols so they could shoot in the air. And a lot of times they start at 6 o'clock. Oh, noon or midnight don't mean nothing anymore. Uh-uh, uh-uh. 
Oh, well, no, that's because that's, that's New Year's Day. Yeah, that's yeah. New Year's Day, yeah. right? Okay. So yeah. they actually the guns are shooting on uh, on Tuesday night. Right. But yeah. But anyway, well, it, 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 you you probably relax because you've been wore, wore out for the whole year. But for tax yeah, people, yeah. go go get that wages and income statement. This is so important. Next week, Sunday, you know, put in the order you get it for online? that wages and income. I don't know. That's a good question. Okay. I I I'm I'm not that, sure. That, and that maybe that okay. would be someone look it up. Look it up and let us all know next week. Uh, if you order it, because you gotta wait till the end. After everything normally closes out on the 15th or the 20th of December. So that's when they normally close out for the year. Every account you can close on those to, on those days. So you should be able to request one now for this year, for 2019. And now you start mm-hmm. there. And, and again, okay. if you got a credit if you got a credit situation, a bad credit, go get your credit report so you can start 1099A and OID them. So you will be assessing the account. You'll be assessed, meaning that you are letting them know that you that you see someone took money out of your estate and that you want to report it so you can report the tax on it. So that's what you're doing with the A and the OID. You're reporting with something that has never been reported, and the IRS is saying, ah, you got some holes up in your account, so we don't have to charge you for it. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Well. Okay. Well. Well. Merry right. Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year's to you, Mr. Rice, and to the listeners. And everybody enjoy. And I'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye, bye, folks. Peace love. And love. Peace love. And love, everyone. love. Okay. Thank you, everyone. I'll be back on tomorrow at nine o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Dr. Robert X. Let's start with hope I threw it in the middle like a skipping stone The ripples one son of a gun Some would not have thought so But I stand here, commander-in-chief And I take that seriously But along the way A rogue ripple turned tidal to what I tried to do, a rebirth of a nation's hatred, red, white, and blue, is black in there too, seriously, one man. It takes thousands of hours to become an astronaut, right Nina? Oh, I'm not an astronaut, I'm a design consultant at the Container Store. But you explore space. I help you find space with our Alpha Closet systems. And you're an expert. Pretty good at it. And you use satellites to communicate. I'm doing more virtual in-home closet designs, but I wouldn't say... We salute you, astronaut Nina, for helping us find space. You're welcome. The Alpha sales bonus is here. Earn up to $500 in credit now through February 7th at the Container Store, where space comes from.